0: know your family. And if you are an adventurous family and really want to try something different, don't be afraid to jump into that seven-day Alaska or even Mediterranean cruise.
1: everybody. The first edition of DCL 101. We're starting a new series. The DCL duo and the DCL podcast are starting a new series together to kind of walk through a bunch of Disney Cruise Line related planning topics, hoping to start at the 101 level, the beginner level, and progress up through the expert level. So hoping to take this from 101 through 401 and have just 15 minute kind of bite-sized topics to help you plan and get the most out of your Disney cruise. So today we're going to talk about picking a Disney Cruise, and I have with me today uh, Steve Creasy, the host of the DCL podcast, and Chris Bright, his co-host. Welcome, guys.
2: Hi. How are hey. you? Good. How are how you doing, how doing? Brian?
1: Good, good. So we're gonna talk about picking a cruise. Why don't we start with Steve? Where do you head to get information about the DCL kind of itineraries? And if you were gonna pick your first cruise on Disney Cruise Line, let's assume we're gonna sail out of Port Canaveral, Disney's like major home port. Where would you go to learn more information about the itineraries? How would you go about picking a cruise?
0: Uh, to be completely honest, I'd probably start with their website because they've got all the information on there that you need as far as the different itineraries that they have. It's pretty self-explanatory, it's easy to use, and that's a great place to start. So it kind of gives you an idea of what you can pick from, where they cruise, the number of days, how many ships they have, all that type of information. And then when you start wanting to refine it from there, after you kind of get your ideas, then there's some other great resources out there, like the unofficial guide to Disney Cruise Line, written by Aaron Foster and Len Testa. This is a great resource. As as you're starting to do your research, this is a great guide that'll talk you through all the different, from the very beginning, finding a cruise, picking your cruise, how to get your stateroom, how dining works everything else it, it's very very easy to use that way and then from there also i would use scott sanders the disney cruise line blogs website he's got a lot of great information on there one of the things that he has which you're not going to totally understand with to begin with are, are the navigators the daily navigator so you can kind of go back and take a look at previous cruises so you think hey i want to go to alaska well you can go to his blog site and look back on what happened on those cruises on up to alaska so it's kind of a step progression that you can kind of go through and then of course you know my favorite way and i think you guys as well is just to listen to podcasts, either over at your podcast, Brian, you and Sam at the DCL do or or ours at the DCL podcast, plus there are many other just general Disney podcasts that talk about Disney Cruise Line. And that's a great way to learn from other people's experiences as well.
1: Yeah. So looking at the itinerary, so do you, would you pick your first cruise? Let me throw this over to you, Chris. Would, would you have picked your first cruise based on kind of the amount of time where it was going? Like what were some of the considerations you'd, you'd put into picking a first cruise or telling somebody the things they should be thinking? about as they're picking their first cruise
2: well it depends on if you've ever been on a ship before or not (laughs) because if you've cruised at some point regardless of the cruise line then there are certain like things you'll know about yourself like do you get motion sick do you like inside cabins or outside cabins or things like that which don't really change in my opinion between Disney and other cruise lines so if you have sailed before and you know you like cruising then I say pick based on the itinerary and the length of, of a cruise you want if you have never sailed before though and you're trying to decide do I even like cruising and do I like Disney cruise line and the answer is yes you will like them then I recommend probably doing something out of Port Canaveral something that includes a stop at Castaway Key, so that you uh, are getting like a quintessential Disney cruise line experience but not necessarily having to commit to a longer journey to get there or a longer duration of a cruise. The Dream, for example, sails three and four night itineraries alternating year round, pretty much. There's a couple of like five nights thrown in there on the Dream, but primarily they sail three and four nights. I would tell you that a three night is not long enough. I would probably prefer just have my first cruise be a Fortnite. And in fact, my first cruise was a night on the Dream out of Port Canaveral. So that's sort of where I would go as like my very first ever cruise, if I had never cruised before.
1: That's a good point about making sure you get the stop at Castaway Key, because that seems like that's like quintessential to the Disney experiences at Castaway Key stop. I think it'd be a little bit of a different experience if you dove right into a cruise in Alaska or Europe with Disney and didn't get that kind of kind of experience out of it. Chris, you said your first cruise was three or four night. Steve, what was your first cruise?
2: (laughs)
0: Ours was actually a seven night to Alaska. What made you choose that one? It, to be honest, it was because uh, it was a place where my parents wanted to go. And so that's why we chose it. we were going to bring the kids with. And so that's why we chose Disney. And that's where we kind of really fell in love with Disney was up to Alaska. So I would say I, I totally agree with Chris. If, you know, it's first time cruising, you want that quintessential Disney experience, you know, tied into most people are going to go down to Walt Disney World, tied into that Walt Disney World vacation. And, and you can do that. However, know your family. And if you are an adventurous family and really want to try something different, don't be afraid to jump into that seven day Alaska or even Mediterranean cruise. We had, we were sat next to a family that their first cruise ever on Disney and first cruise ever was through the Mediterranean. They had a great time. So I I would say kind of know your family as well.
1: Yeah, I'll say our first cruise on Disney was a seven night Eastern Caribbean cruise and it has quickly become one of our favorite itineraries. So what I loved about it was I felt like it's seven nights is a great amount of time on a ship. I think you start to get to 11 and 14 nights. It's certainly wonderful, but there have been times we've been on cruises for, you know, 11, 14 nights and it starts to feel a little bit long. So if it's your first time cruising, especially, I think that's pretty big commitment to make to sort of doing a cruise. I also sort of think that the Eastern Caribbean cruise was nice because now that we've done a three or four night that stops in the Bahamas, I will say Nassau is not one of my favorite ports. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think it's high on too many people's list. And so being able to stop at some of those other ports, St. Martin, St. John, those are great ports in the Caribbean. And I think they're a lot of fun. So I think that Eastern Western itinerary is a lot of fun. You get to sea days, you get port days, you get to stop and castaway key, and I think that's just that. That was one of our favorite itineraries. We love doing it to this day, and it's just I think it's a it's a it was a great way to introduce ourselves to cruising, get a real sense of the ship, really really get that sense. Now we had been on cruises before, so Chris to your point, I knew I wasn't going to get like really motion sick or anything like that, and we knew we kind of enjoyed cruising, so seven nights didn't feel too long. What about classic versus the modern ships, the the, the magic class versus the dream class ships? If you had a chance to pick your first cruise cruise going on a magic class ship versus a dream class ship where would you guys would you guys have a thought about sort of choosing one over
2: the other i don't care I think whatever is your first one is fine. <laughs> like, truthfully, I wouldn't fret over it. You'll see that there's not actually a huge price difference. In fact, sometimes the older ships cost a lot more than the Dream of the Fantasy because they're selling more unique itineraries. So it's not really a price difference. Like on the other on the other cruise lines, you'll see that without question, their most expensive itineraries happen to be on their newest ships. Like, because they are charging you for the new amenities, they're like, special things included in the newer ships. But on Disney, I would say that that's not true. It's, it's like sometimes the magic and wonder are a lot more expensive. And so if it's it's not really about price and it's about experience, well, the dream and the fantasy are almost identical. Truthfully, like same attractions, same, like they, they both have the aqueduct. They both have, you know, uh, Tiffany's <laughs> now. And like they have a lot of very similar things. The only thing you'll find different between the two really is that the adults area is differently themed same general like idea but different theming and the kids clubs are slightly different and kids spaces and then i guess the shows are different right but beyond that it is literally like they are very 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 similar ships and so whereas the magic and the wonder are different on the magic they have the aqua dunk, which is a a water slide that drops you, the floor falls out beneath your feet, and then you feel like you're going to die for 10 seconds or less, and then it's over. And they don't have anything like that on the wonder. So, you know, there are some differences on those, but Overall, fleet wide, there are a lot of staples. And I would say it's mostly those staples that bring us back time and time again. Buena Vista Theater, Cabanas, Palo, things like that. And so and those are, are those are fleet wide. So I don't know. That's where my head is at. It's like I would not really worry about. And also In our earlier question, we were saying three-night versus four-night versus seven-night. There is another option, which is to sail out of Miami on a classic ship. This will all change when the wish comes into play. But we have sailed out of Miami on a five-night that took us to Grand Cayman and Castaway Key. So we didn't have to deal with Nassau, and we got Castaway Key, and we got a classic ship. So... There are other options if, if you're willing to sail outside of Port Canaveral.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. With the wish coming in, it will change things a bit for sure. And I would say if if you have your chance to make your first cruise on the Disney Wish, that's also not a bad option. It's it's not sort of a, a bad idea. Or, for, sure, for sure. What about sort of special cruises, making your first cruise on Disney like a Christmas cruise or a Halloween on the high seas cruise or, or something like that? Any considerations you guys would have towards talking people into or out of making that their first cruise on Disney? Steve, what do you think? I, I think I think
0: that just over the years, listening to people talk about their different experiences, I, I think that's a great way to go. If, there's, if you're a Star Wars fan, they have Star Wars Day at Sea, Marvel Day at Sea as well. I mean, how magical would that be to be on one of the ships over Christmas or New Year's? I've heard that the New Year's parties, New Year's Eve is a great time as well. The only thing I would caution people, and it kind of goes back to the the, the whole idea of the three-day cruises, there is just so much packed into the three-day cruises on a Halloween on the high seas or very maritime cruise in three days that you may be just worn out and you're I feel like you don't have an opportunity to really experience everything the way you want to experience it, where you can kind of take it all in and relax a little bit. So the the only caution I would give is doing a three-day cruise with with a Halloween and the high seas or very merry just because there's just so much going on.
1: I guess the other thing to think about when choosing your cruise is just sort of price, right? If your first Disney experience and you want to choose your first time on a ship, just thinking through the price considerations there, I think there's lots of ways that you can sort of save a little money on a Disney cruise. But I don't know, Steve. I want to go back to you for a second because you've got you got a lot of experience here too. What do you think about sort of when you ought to? If you're choosing your first cruise, you want to save a little money. What are the ways you could do that? What are some of the ways that you might you might look at sort of getting a better price on the fare?
0: Really, the easiest way to get your best price is to book opening day. So when things are normal, they're the itineraries are coming out roughly every three months. It's a year and a half out that you are going to be booking for. So if you can price yourself in at that opening. Day price when those cruises first come out, so that's that's a good reason to maybe in that first, your first cruise to work with a Disney travel agent because they've got the experience between when these cruises come out. That's going to save give you your most bang for your buck. Now there are many other multiple ways that you can do it. I know a lot of people go through Costco. They can get money back by paying for it with their Costco card, and so Costco gives you some kind of options as well. AAA gives you some options if you book through them. But I think the most bang for your buck really is going to be if you don't if you're not a Florida residency, military rate, Canadian, sometimes they offer European rates as well, is to try and book either opening day or as close as you can to opening day.
1: Yeah, I I think there's there's potentially one other sort of way if, if you have the flexibility to say or to sail in the off season you might get a little bit of a of a break since i think no disney, that's a good point there yeah disney, disney caters to the family so if you're going during times when schools at a session like spring break summer break that kind of thing you're going to be paying full freight whereas if you can go on kind of a shoulder season kind of sailing you know i hesitate to say it but hurricane season is a great time to find a few bargains in the cruise but make sure you get the travel insurance i would say during that season but finding those kind of shoulder time when school's in session and not, so, not a lot of people aren't out of, out of school or, you know, maybe some of those less desirable times to sail, you can get a, get a little bit of a break. I'll say for Disney, it's not going to be a ton. I mean, you'll, you'll be saving hundreds, a few hundred dollars here and here and there. But given the supply and the demand ratio for the ships versus the number of people who want to be on them, I think you're always going to be paying a higher price on, on Disney. I don't know, Chris, do you have any tips for saving a little bit of money to uh, on your first sailing?
2: Well, a really annoying way to save money <laughs> is <laughs> to buy Disney gift cards through uh, like discounted programs. So like if you have a Target red card, you can get 5% off Disney gift cards. So if you paid for your cruise on Disney gift cards, you could get 5% off. And 5% might not seem like a lot, but if you're going on a $6,000 cruise, 5% is a chunk of change. And so you could do that. But the reason I call it annoying is because if that cruise gets canceled, then they refund to your Disney gift cards. And also that money will forever be on a Disney gift card. So like... If you don't want to have $6,000 tied up in just Disney money, maybe not your best bet. Though, like, Seth and I are kind of like, well, if it got canceled, we could find a way to spend $6,000 with Disney. (laughs) So it's not like we have gone that route before but it is more to manage so I would just say like you know and I'm saying 5% because we use the Target thing but I've heard I don't I like don't even know what it is because I'm from California but there's something called BJ's we use BJ's so
1: BJ's is like a New York it's like a New York version of Costco basically or an East Coast version yeah. of Costco. and you can go on their website and you don't you, you can buy an online only membership for a very cheap amount of money you can order the gift cards in bulk and they ship them to your house and so they'll have the deal like a five $500 gift card for, you know, $470, $480, you know, that three to 5% off kind of range. So we've gone on and bought enough to cover an entire cruise vacation, have them sent to our house. And then, you know, we aggregate them all together, pay for the cruise. The tip that you just gave is a really good one, which is we had a friend one time tell us, Pay the last dollar of the cruise on an actual credit card because any money that gets refunded is going back on the last payment card that was used. And so, if you paid with gift cards and they refund even like a $5 port fee, you better still have that gift card hanging around because if you threw it away, it just went back to a gift card that's no longer active and you don't have access to the money. So, I know a lot of people pay with the gift cards and play that kind of game or that kind of system, and we do it too. But yeah, it's got to look out for them. You got to find the deals. They're not always available. And either hold on to the gift card or save some money and pay up, pay, pay that last few dollars on a credit card because they're going to refund to whatever the last card is that was used to purchase the cruise. So yeah.
2: yeah. We also forgot one big thing, which is I know we're talking about planning your first cruise, but you have something to look forward to which is if you like the cruise, you can purchase a future cruise credit that would give you 10% off of any future cruise and 10% goes a long way in the Disney world. So when you're talking 10% off of a, of a 6000 $6,000 Cruise, like that's a really good amount of money. So you won't be able to use it on your first time, but then going forward, you can essentially always book those placeholders for future cruises and consistently get 10% off. And there are blockout dates. So you wouldn't be getting 10% off of a cruise Christmas week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other trick, right, is use a travel agent. I mean, frankly, because if you use a travel agent, a lot of times they give you, you know, a little bit of an onboard credit. So it's not going to be some huge savings on the cruise fare, but
2: no, but you can get like 200 bucks in an onboard credit. which is enough for like your family to eat a Palo one night for free or, you know, get you halfway to a necklace from Tiffany's.
0: Well, before you guys leave that, you know, just to touch on a couple other ones too, as well. Disney doesn't have the repositioning cruises that other cruise lines do have, or as many of them, but you can often save money on the transatlantic. That's a great long time cruise if that fits in your schedule, which is fairly cheap for Disney prices. Also, there's a West Coast cruise when the Wonder goes back and forth between San Diego and up to Vancouver to do the Alaska sailings in the summer. And then when the Magic comes back from Europe, it'll often do runs out of New York City and then it does a repositioning down to San Juan a lot of the time or down to Miami and the wonder also out of Galveston to San Juan where you can find some cheaper cruises as well there and Galveston I think tends to be if you can make it down there in Texas outside of Houston usually has some of the cheapest rates you'll find all year
1: round yeah those repositioning cruises are a good tips Steve for sure especially that transatlantic I see that all the time and it's I'll say it's cheap by Disney standards right I mean I mean you're saving some good per night for, yeah, yeah for a long time on that cruise so that's that's a that's a really good tip all right guys well thanks for coming on and uh we'll keep the series going i think next up we're going to talk about you've selected your cruise so you gotta you gotta pick a stateroom now you gotta figure out where you're staying on the ship and the considerations that go into that so we'll tackle that in the next uh, the next round but thanks for coming on guys and uh, it's been a lot of fun Well, I hope you enjoyed that first edition of DCL 101. As I said in the show, we're hoping to take this series from kind of the 101 beginner level up through intermediate topics all the way into some advanced 401 or 400 level topics. So I hope you'll stay tuned as we put more of these out. We've got everything coming from packing tips all the way up to sailing concierge and sailing internationally. So lots of great topics planned for this series. Really appreciate Steve and the whole crew over there at the DCL podcast sort of uh, supporting this effort on their end. I think the combined efforts here between the two shows are going yield some great results. we got a lot of great additional guests planned on the series. Uh, so stay tuned. Keep listening. Also, these are the audio versions of YouTube videos that we've put up between the two podcasts. So head over to the DCL Duo YouTube channel. You can see the visual version of these. They're going to include walkthroughs from websites and some other visuals to kind of help you understand what we're talking about. So if you want to see the complete versions of these, head over to YouTube. Uh, otherwise, we'll keep kind of pushing these out as audio only content for a little bit as well as kind of bonus episode so stay tuned for more with that just wanted to say thanks for listening and please keep in mind that the dcl duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with disney cruise line the walt disney company or the walt disney family of theme parks the views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the walt disney company or disney cruise line if you have questions about a disney cruise or a walt disney vacation please contact disney directly or your own travel agent if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dcl duo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dcl duo reminder to head over to our channel on youtube and subscribe and like the content there especially these videos these dcl videos that we're putting out also if you're really enjoying the podcast head over to apple podcasts and be sure to leave us a five-star review that really help us out and making the show more visible so with that as always thanks again for listening we'll see you next time for another fabulous disney adventure with the dcl duo good night